0: Get ready to peel back the layers of fruity goodness with It's Bananas, the podcast that acknowledges that life doesn't make a lick of sense, but licking fruit does. Join your host, Becky Onesta, the fruit maven, as she takes you on a tantalizing journey through the world of fruit, where pleasure, fun, joy, and connection await with each succulent bite. It's deep, it's delicious, and it's bananas. It's bananas. everyone welcome back to snack time here on its bananas this is Becky also known as the fruit maven today we're gonna dive into what's on my mind and what's on my table but first I feel like I need to give you a little update on last week's fruit tasting it's not like it was a big cliffhanger or anything we tried the Picasso melon I thought it was okay overall gave it a 3.5 out of 5 but then I found this week that i kept going back to it which surprised me so i don't know i just wanted to let you know that i ended up liking it quite a bit more than i thought i was going to so in a related story also this week i was watching a korean drama called be melodramatic and in the drama the main male lead he's following falling for the female lead and they go to this little restaurant and he has her try his favorite soup the soup that he likes and it's a clear broth with noodles and by the look on her face when she tastes it you can tell it basically tastes like nothing. She starts to reach out to add things to the broth and he stops her and says no 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 just leave it like that I promise you later tonight you're gonna dream about this soup it seems like nothing but you're going to want it. And then the next day you're going to want it. And then the next day you're going to want it. And in the drama, it's really cute. It's like a little bit of a metaphor for him. I think because he thinks he's a little bit boring, which is not ultimately true in my opinion, but that is how I ended up ultimately feeling about this Picasso melon. It was mellow and that ended up being what I wanted more often than not this week. So I feel like maybe I gave it Like it didn't fair I didn't give it a fair shake in its first tasting. So I just wanted to make that right in the fruit world and with the audience. I liked the Picasso Melon more than I thought. So, with that critical information revealed, let's get back to this week. I'm very excited about what's on my table today because it's not one, not two, but three different varieties of the very same fruit, which is essentially my very favorite thing, trying the same thing in multiple different versions so I can compare them with one another. I've only had one of these before, and truth be told, I thought it was just okay to be sure. I've never had the other two, and I've heard from a lot of people that the other two are much better, so we shall see. This fruit is a native of Central America and Mexico, and in Spanish is called the Pataya. Asia, this fruit is called the strawberry pear, and in the US, it's called the dragon fruit. Comes in three different types that I know of, that I have here today. Pink on the outside with white flesh on the inside is the most common type, and that's the one I've had before. Then there's one with pink skin on the outside that has pink or red flesh on the inside and then there's one with yellow skin on the outside and white flesh on the inside. I did see online that there is a yellow skin on the outside with a light pink flesh on the inside, which looks pretty cool. That may be something new that a farm somewhere is trying to create. I'm not sure, which I'm for. I am always for any fruit that has pink on the inside as a rule so with any of them when you cut them open they have these tiny little black seeds that look like polka dots they're all spread out which is part of why i really like them they are so pretty i should tell you i am also in fact wearing two slices of dragon fruit as earrings today which is pretty cool i found them at the farmer's market last week somebody there takes various types of fruit slices it up i think Dehydrates it. Maybe I'm not sure and then shellacks it or something I'm not I don't know exactly what they do, but they are very cool So I am wearing dragon fruit while tasting and talking about dragon fruit and um, they also look like polka dots I happen to love polka dots my bedspread has them my rug in my living room has them I have a bunch of shirts that have them in fact last year I was wearing a black shirt that I have that has multicolored polka dot sleeves and a co worker told me that I look like a birthday cake, which I'm not sure that was a compliment, but whatever. We're gonna take it as a compliment today because I dress more for fun than I dress for fashion. So, pull the dots, it is. Back to the fruit. One of these fruit, the yellow one, which is called the Honey Dragon, it has a specific name because it is branded and distributed by a company called Frida's. They are not sponsoring the podcast today, but I want to talk about them anyway because today's theme is about powerful or, quote, out-of-control women, and the founder of Frida's is a pretty cool example. Frida's is a produce distributor imports unique fruit and rebrands it under their own name which is a bit different than the proprietary fruit being cultivated and branded by a farmer that we talked about last week as far as I know Frida's doesn't cultivate their own grow or cultivate their own fruit they brand imported fruit Frida's was started by Dr. Frida Rappaport Kaplan. She was the first woman in the U.S. to own and operate a produce company back in 1962 when the industry was completely male dominated. She was located in Los Angeles. She happened to like to sell the more unusual items and would import them from around the world. One of her biggest claims to fame is that in the 1960s, she imported a load of Chinese gooseberries from New Zealand to the United States. Reportedly, this was the first time this particular fruit had arrived here. And she didn't really like the name or it wasn't selling. I'm not exactly sure what was happening that prompted this next action. But what she did was rename the fruit took a nod from where the fruit came from, New Zealand, and a kiwi bird that was there and called it, changed it from Chinese gooseberry to kiwi, which as we all know is what we commonly call it today. Kiwi kiwi are all over the place in our stores. So she did that in order to help it sell and take off and now here we are so that's pretty cool she ran the company late into her 90s her daughter also ran the company beside her and even today her granddaughter is a leader in the company although it was purchased by a new owner this year apparently i don't know anything about the new owner i just saw that today when i was looking then up i did get to meet all three women about a decade ago which was pretty cool so that's a little mini fruit flex if you will that was when I was actively writing about fruit on fruitmaven.com, fruitmaven.com, and I was going to various uh, produce conventions and different nerdy 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 things. So, I just love supporting a company that is run by generations of women. So, yay for Fridas and for their produce, which is pretty cool, and for making bold pioneering decisions in an industry that wasn't necessarily doing that at the time. And that leads perfectly to what's on my mind, which is about keeping women in their place and how society does that, or more specifically, how we do it to ourselves, which is not actually only women, all of us do it, but we tend to police ourselves right out of joy and pleasure and perhaps power and success too, and all the reasons that we might do that. So Ever since I first recorded the podcast episode last week, I've gotten a little nervous, to be honest, about this whole venture, kind of the way someone does when you start something new. None of that is particularly unexpected or even interesting. It takes a lot to be brave. But this question keeps rolling around my head that I did think was interesting, and that question is, am I allowed to do a podcast on joy? It's a weird question. Allowed by whom exactly? But I can't seem to shake it off or shake it off successfully. I have thought a lot about it and I find that I am inclined to want to prove that I've had some hard enough life, that I finally deserve this level of joy, or that I deserve to be able to talk about it publicly, or even that I have some proof of my capabilities in talking about my own joy. That somehow, with this very hard life I've had and the work I've put into it, that I've gotten somewhere that makes me some sort of expert. And really, none of that is true. I mean, I have gone through really hard things. Most of us have. So that's true. But what's not true is that anyone, including me, has to prove anything in getting access to joy, into claiming that joy publicly talking about it, telling our own stories. So I was puzzled by this question rolling around in my head. And on the flip side, I also feel really compelled to acknowledge various levels of privilege that I completely hold as a middle-class white woman living in the United States. So I've got all these thoughts rolling around in my head this week. And beneath all these questions, which are somewhat valid, somewhat not, I thought there was a more interesting set of questions worth exploring, which are, who exactly benefits from me asking this question of myself? Who installed this question in my brain? Who exactly do I think is in control of whether or not I'm allowed, quote unquote, to have joy and talk about it? So I just started looking around, who's in my life? So first I have a kid, She's certainly not in control of my joy, although she affects it, and she certainly benefits from me having more joy and talking about it. I don't currently have a partner, any siblings or living parents, so it's not my immediate family. My family of origin, where I grew up, my childhood, yeah, probably, there's some things there. My current community in San Diego, my current job, the country I live in, the government we function under, the patriarchy fundamentally some of these certainly benefit from me policing myself in many ways and some of them don't I remember a story when I was dating in my 20s and I was dating this guy and we were wandering around the mall and we ended up in the Disney store I'm not necessarily a huge Disney fan but We ended up in the store and we were both wandering around a little bit separately and I ended up in the back and I don't remember what I found exactly. It was maybe a stuffed animal or a toy. I don't know. Who knows? And I started squealing. I remember being very excited about it and I was kind of bouncing around and I called the guy's name over and I wanted to show it to him and I I was very ecstatic about it for some reason. And he walked over and I expected him to be curious about what I was looking at and what I was so excited about and instead he looked almost angry and told me that I was being embarrassing and childish and to quiet down and to stop acting like a little girl. And if that happened to me now, I honestly think I would laugh in his face. But I it's not now. I was in my early 20s and I remember just feeling shame. I remember thinking, "Oh, I got too excited. He's right. I'm out of control." I'm so sorry, I remember apologizing to him for being excited out loud in public. Fast forward a number of years later, this is maybe six or seven years ago and I was at a very different event. I was in London for work and we were meeting with an agency that we were working with and we were having a really good time. These were people we'd worked with a lot so we knew them well, almost friends. We were out after dinner at a bar and everyone was laughing and I had a glass of champagne in my hand and I remember I was telling a story really animated and I dropped the champagne glass uh, on the floor and it shattered and I looked down at the glass and I remember that same flood of shame coming over me thinking oh I, I got out of control I was too excited and I looked back up At the There was a group of people in front of me, and one of the men in particular looked me in the eye, and he kind of smirked, and then he said quite loudly in the direction of the bartender, somebody get this woman a drink she's actually willing to hold on to, and everyone just started laughing, and the moment moved on. And I remember at that time that it was, it felt to me like the first time that I had noticed at least i'm sure it had happened before but it was the first time i had noticed that i was legitimately a little bit out of control like a little to the degree that i dropped the glass in public and that lack of control was not met with anger or disdain or scorn or like scolding it was met with more joy it was met with humor and lightness and understanding and That interaction really shifted something in me fundamentally about what I understood I could do in the world and who was allowed to say what to me. Now, it would be easy to look at the first guy and say, hey, that guy was an asshole, and the second guy was cool. Uh, But that's not really true. Um, Neither of those things are really true. I mean, the second guy was cool, but they're both just men living under the same patriarchal, self-censoring, policing bullshit that we all do. The first one was just quite a bit younger and hadn't unlearned any of that, and the second one is more comfortable with the people around him deviating from acceptable rules of behavior. So I've got this question rolling around in my head, I have these stories come to mind and recently, I was also a guest podcaster on Afternoon Army, a sister podcast about BTS. And we were covering the song Lilith, which is a song by Halsey that features Suga, a member of BTS. And it's the anthem for a recent video game called Diablo 4. And in the podcast, we end up doing a little mini deep dive into Lilith, who is a demon that represents uncontrollable women. And later on in, in the world, essentially in the 1960s again same time when uh, Frida was making her move in the produce industry she Lilith is claimed by the feminist movement as a symbol of female power so the fact that she is uncontrollable becomes the core of her strength and i bring that up because i have i have this nearly absurd absolutely bananas question rolling around in my head about what I am allowed to do and the reason that is happening is due to an immense number of factors that have gone into controlling women for a very very long time some of those are personal some societal some fictional but I mean it's absolutely bananas that I am wondering if I'm allowed to do a podcast on fruit and joy Of course, I am allowed to have joy, and I am allowed to say it out loud. Joy and pleasure and fun are qualities that are outside of our worthiness or earning or ability to or our value in this world. I truly think they belong to everyone. So I'm not, here's the thing, I'm not necessarily going to be able to resolve the extreme combination of factors that feed into my habit of silencing myself. All before I need to record the next podcast episode, which is happening right now. But here's what I can do and what I, why I thought this was worth talking about. I can take this relatively absurd question, this box that I sometimes, often, stick myself into, and I can ask just enough questions without even necessarily needing to answer them all that I can cut a little crack in the box. Those questions can just give me just enough space. Is this true? Who benefits from this? That I can wriggle my way out of this box and record a podcast, or do the thing that I wanna do that I think I'm not allowed to do, whatever that may be. I can step further into being out of control, if that is what we are calling excitement, joy, pleasure for women. I'm finding that I am hesitating to, to say it specifically for women uh, or women presenting folks in the world. And, and here's why. So I do think that it applies to everyone, and I do think that these situations harm everyone. But here's the reason I think... it. It applies differently to women. I can just imagine that if that, let's go back to that date I was on in my 20s. Um, Let's say we left that store and we're walking down the mall and we end up passing some sports store and some guy lets out a squeal because they've got some jersey of the, the football player that he's really into. I just have a hard time believing that that guy would have felt the screaming jersey lover was being inappropriate. I could be wrong, maybe he would have thought that, but there are in fact very different rules about what, who is allowed to do what and who is allowed to have what kind of joy, what kind of fun, what kind of pleasure in this world. So I'm gonna stop shying away from that. I acknowledge that it harms everyone, that that all of us put ourselves in boxes and that there are ways in which women's pleasure is silenced more. So what do we do now? Well, first of all, I'm recording the podcast, yay! Be excited with me about that. Uh, And I'm gonna keep recording podcasts if you keep coming back and listening, so thank you. But also, and I thought of this metaphor today and I'm really excited about it, we're gonna take this box I put myself in, this absolutely absurd box of bananas, and we're gonna toss it in the compost pile You should probably ask me if I know how to compost (laughs) No, no I do not the answer to that is that I do not but I do know that you take your scraps and you put them in a closed space and then they become fertilizer and here's you may be thinking let's just throw it out let's just throw this whole system out and I would love that but the reality is that we can't none of the issues that I just touched on are gonna get resolved before I want to do the next thing that I want to do. They're just not. So while I know we have work we need to do to push back against a lot of these systems that constrain us, that we participate in to constrain ourselves, and taking actions uh, around joy does that. I really feel like it credibly does on an individual level. But the truth is, this is going to rise up and stink again. This issue isn't going to go away this idea am I am I allowed to do this or that? So when it does, when that smell comes back, uh, I can take a look at this box of bananas and I can decide at that point do I have enough additional tools, information, scraps, whatever it is that I that this is now a fertilizer that I can use to grow something more beautiful or, at that point, is this now just a box of rotting filth that I can, that I can successfully completely get rid of? I don't, I don't know the answer to that yet, uh, and I'm okay with that. I don't have to, because just doing this is enough for now. Asking questions that open up cracks, moving th- through, giving myself space to move into a different place, to do the things I want to do, and to let the rest just sit on the side until I have more tools at my disposal. So those of you that know how to compost are probably sitting there thinking, yeah, that's not really how composting works. We're just going to have to roll with me on the metaphors. We're just going to roll with it. That's what we're going to do. And I probably will learn composting because I actually want to. Speaking of, uh, I probably need to get back to the fruit that's on my table before it starts to compost. So let's eat some dragon babies. Okay, sorry. One last thing before we start to taste those little dragon fruits. I want to note that tasting fruit isn't necessarily about practicing joy, although I am planning to enjoy tasting these immensely. But we may try fruit that we don't like at all, which is may or may not be a joyful thing to do. But I do it this way to practice connection, actually, to connect my mind, my heart, and my body with the outside world in a really simple way. And by practicing this and growing these muscles and paying attention. That's how I make way for liking what I like, expressing it however I want, and realizing more connection and, of course, joy. So, here we go. I've already described the color of these pretty little pitaya or dragon fruit and I'm particularly smitten by the pink one that's going to be pink inside because it has these gorgeous curly leaves on the outside that are really dramatic. I'll post pictures or a short video on Instagram so you can see. the, But they're really curly. Um, The other pink one just has little leaves that are kind of starting to form without any curl, and then the yellow one just has nubs. It doesn't really have any leaves at all. They're all oblong in shape, kind of like a little mini football, and they range from the smallest one, the yellow one being about maybe half a pound, to the largest curly cube, pink one being a pound and a half almost. I actually weighed it. It was just under a pound and a half, so it's pretty big and kind of heavy. So let's cut into them. Oh, okay, so they're pretty easy to cut. I'm cutting it the long way, just a touch more difficult than a melon, maybe in between a melon and like a butternut squash, somewhere in between as far as how hard it is to cut. And oh my gosh, they're so cute inside. So the Let me set down this knife the curly pink one is like this gorgeous gorgeous dark dark magenta purpley burgundy color i don't know i love it with these tiny black seeds it is shiny and glistening with the juice and then it's got the pink outside and the curly cues Mm, this i think might be the prettiest fruit i've ever seen So then the other one, the other pink one on the outside is white, almost a gray or translucent whitish gray. And then again with these tiny, tiny black speckled seeds all over. And then the yellow one is kind of interesting. So the inside is white again, but it's far more translucent. It's not as solid white. And the seeds are quite a bit bigger. These almost remind me of nigella seeds or black... Cumin. I don't know if you've ever had that spice but they're these just like tiny or not I mean they are tiny but not compared to the other ones which are quite little and maybe unnoticeable I feel like these are going to be noticeable when I eat it maybe even crunchy like a kiwi I guess although kiwi they're in a, a specific pattern whereas this is all spread out throughout the fruit so appearance I'm I'm giving these a five out of five these are I don't These are stunning. I don't know how you could find a more attractive fruit than these. They're very cool. They're surprising. They're beautiful. Even the yellow and white one, which is the least pretty, is still completely amazing. So definitely five out of five. Okay, let's go for aroma. Mm, The yellow one doesn't really smell like anything. The pink and white one smells slightly like maybe grass. Oh! The magenta one smells more, maybe a bit like a melon and a little bit of lemon, yeah. Okay, let me just say every time I pick these up, I'm reminded, like they do look like little dragon babies and it makes me feel like I'm Daenerys Stormborn. Did you watch Game of Thrones? Khaleesi, I love her name. I don't, I can't repeat it. Daenerys Stormborn of House of Targaryen, first of her name, Blah, blah 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 Khaleesi. Um, <laughs> so I'm not her but I might I'm gonna cosplay her during this little tasting today because she is a fun fictional example of a woman who is strong powerful and arguably out of control at times in a very badass way and I am here for it. Although I guess she didn't really eat her dragons she raised them like a mother and I'm gonna eat mine but what, whatever. We were just playing. It's my game. We, I can do whatever I want. It's my game. Although actually we should probably talk about the name of this thru- fruit more thoroughly because it isn't actually named after dragon babies like I am referring to it. It's more like dragon sp- spitballs. I, I, here's the story. So this is another fruit that was renamed in order to get people to buy it. I learned this from a local San Diego company called Specialty Produce. Uh, So they have a fruit encyclopedia that's pretty exhaustive, and according to them, when the name of this fruit was changed, apparently, and I don't know how long ago this was, apparently an entire legend was created around the fruit. So there's a fire-breathing mythical dragon that would go to battle, and when the dragon would breathe fire, the last thing that would come out after the flames was a dragon fruit. So, when the dragon was killed, then the fruit would be collected and presented to the emperor as a symbol of some kind of victory. So, these are prize dragon spitballs that we are tasting today. Uh, so, let's talk about the texture of our dragon spitballs. The texture so, when they're ripe, they should have a little bit of give to them, kind of like a ripe avocado. If they are hard, then they are not ready. You can leave them on the counter to ripen or in the fridge, the fridge will go a little bit slower. So I am using a melon baller to scoop into each of these. And they are, there's a lot of give. They are a lot like a melon, actually. They're very easy to scoop out. And then I'm gonna use a toothpick to eat it. I'm being a little bit extra today because this fruit a bit extra. And then I'm going to take a bite of each one, I'm going to try to go from the least, well what I believe is going to be the least sweet to the most sweet, I don't know for sure. And I'm going to pause in between so that you do not have to listen to me chewing, because this is not supposed to be an ASMR type of podcast. So let me try this first one. Okay it has the texture of of a pear with a bunch of little crunchy seeds in it, but the seeds don't bother me at all, in fact I I kind of like it. I'm sort of surprised I didn't like this the last time I tried it. It tastes a little bit like a very, very mild kiwi. It's got the tiniest bit of tart, but not really. Like I find kiwis to be quite a bit more tart than this. Little bit of lemon, little bit of a melon vibe, but it's very, very mild. I mean, all of these flavors I'm saying are a bit dramatic for what's actually happening. Okay, so now I'm gonna try the magenta one. Oh, so I don't, mm, I don't really like this one at all. I expected this to be considerably sweeter. I think this feels more like a memory's coming back. This feels more like what the one I had a long time ago tasted like. It's almost a bit like grass to me. It does have a little bit of a tart or sourness to it, but I don't care for it along with that grass flavor. The texture is really similar. I like the first one quite a bit better. Okay, now we are going to try the honey one where it's got these big whopper of a seed in it. Oh, dang. Okay, that is quite a bit sweeter. That's almost like a completely different fruit. I'm not going to lie. So the texture is the same. The seeds are bigger and they are crunchy, but they're really pleasant to eat. I, I'm like very excited about this. I do not normally like fruit that has seeds in it where you're supposed to eat the seeds, like passion fruit or kiwi. Or any of those but i'm really liking these seeds the seeds have like this really cool crunchy taste texture almost like pop rocks but not as dramatic in your mouth this one has a much sweeter more exciting flavor far more tropical tasting it's called honey dragon let me see do i feel like it tastes like honey so i do i feel like they nailed this the name of this is honey dragon and it definitely tastes It's got this tropical vibe to it with this really nice mellow honey flavor at kind of at the end wow i i am shook right now so i expected to love this magenta one and i thought i was and i don't ever want to i don't even want another bite of it it's not like it's horrible okay i'm being dramatic but i like of these three i do not want to eat that one again the white one with the tiny seeds that I'd had before, I actually love. Like, it's very mild. It's not, I, like, it's just pleasant to eat. I would happily put that in a fruit salad or something. And then this honey one is blowing my mind. It is crazy delicious. I really, really, like, I have a feeling I'm going to turn off this podcast and go eat the rest of the entire thing. It's also the smallest one, but even if it wasn't, I don't know, I might eat the entire thing anyway. So texture overall, I'm going to give these all a 5 out of 5. I think the texture is really cool. It's kind of like a pear. It's got this nuttiness, like, crunch to it that's really appealing. And then taste, these are all getting different scores. I'm giving the pink one a 2. I do not care for that one at all. The white and pink one gets a three, and the yellow and white one gets a five, a five. All right, let's move on to lickability. So I decided after last week, I am not going to lick the outside of fruit unless there is a compelling reason, like if it's, you know, hairy, like the kiwi, or fuzzy, like a peach or something that compels me to actually lick the outside. Otherwise, I am only going to lick the inside. God. Okay, I literally just said that sentence, and then I licked the outside. I completely lied. I licked the outside immediately. I don't. Who's in charge? So okay, so it looked in my defense. I just said that, but then I was as I was describing when I'm allowed to lick it. I was like, if it's compelling, the outside of this is kind of compelling. It's got these little nubs, and I wanted to know what it would feel like. <laughs> I can't be trusted with my rules around what is licked and what is not licked. I find this category delightful. Can, can you, has anyone like licked their, okay, the sentence that was about to come out of my mouth is has anyone licked their way to joy? And let's just not, let's just not answer that question at all. So the outside, <laughs> just not at all. <laughs> so the outside of this, <laughs> I have to recover. So the outside of this, I like the little bumps. It's weird that I really like licking this. I apparently haven't licked that many odd things in my life. I don't know what that means. Are other people out there? I don't want the answer to any of these questions. Are other people out there licking things a lot? I don't know. Uh, So let's lick the inside. Let's move on from that and lick the inside. Oh. So this one, I'm just licking the honey one because that's the best one, and it is lovely. It tastes, it's got that honey flavor, it's smooth, I get a little bit of the seeds, which is kind of weird, but also kind of cool. It's very glassy, almost like licking a honey-flavored ice cube. If this was frozen, I, I froze them last week too, but this week I'm freezing it in a cool way. I actually don't want it frozen because I feel like it would mute the flavor. But like I said, it's a little translucent looking. So it feels like i'm licking honey dipped ice cubes or glass ice cubes not glass who, who licks glass are you licking glasses i, I don't know we've we got to figure this thing out so i'm gonna give lickability i don't know if i'm gonna say it's a five i feel like there's gonna be better lickable fruit out there i'm gonna give it a four because it's very lickable the seeds are slightly annoying in the lick in the licking but pretty good so overall I'm gonna give the dragon fruit a combined score of a four out of five because I feel like these were a delight so that's a wrap on this week's episode of it's bananas I hope you enjoyed our snack time learning about our little dragon spitballs here or the dragon fruit pitaya or strawberry pear thanks for joining me And I hope you find some places to be a little bit out of control. Until next time, I apple you. If you find It's Bananas appealing, it would mean a lot to me if you'd plant a seed of support by giving it a five-star rating and hitting that follow or subscribe button on the It's Bananas show page. Be a peach, share a favorite episode with a friend, and reach out to me on Instagram, at FruitMaven, all one word.